Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, and of course, as always, I'm your host, John June. Uh, always find me on Twitter at JRFootballNerd. Also follow the show at FF Diagnostics. And welcome in. We had some some stuff go down, um, but I hope y'all are having a good one today. Uh, definitely got to discuss all this stuff that happened, but also want to make y'all aware that had a great guest on for this show, Mike Fiella of the Fantasy Intervention. I uh, had a blast talking to him. That convo runs for about an hour, but definitely worth a listen because we get into a lot talking about free agency. Uh, you know, the what it what it means for the you know the overall dynasty landscape, what it means in some in terms of uh buying and selling some of these guys, buy you know, buying low, selling high on some of these guys or as a result of maybe what happened with free agency. But before we dig into that, like I've mentioned off the top, we had two huge trades go down uh you know involving NFL draft picks and the picks in the NFL draft and involving three teams, so Definitely want to get into that and what that means, but also got to hit on some of these signings that trickled in since we last spoke. Uh, obviously, the big one was uh, the Kenny Galladay, four years, $72 million, uh, signing with the New York Giants, kind of how we expected. Um, you know, could, could see that one coming just based on how that everything was going. I know Giants fans were freaking out as if it wasn't going to happen. But anyway, Galladay lands with the Giants here. Ends up with uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, Joe Judge really seemed to have vetted Kenny Galladay out. Seemed to see if he was a fit for the culture and what they're building uh, in 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 uh, with the Giants organization. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, uh, and Mike and I we talk about it too, uh, and, and we actually somewhat agree on this. Uh, Kenny G, I mean, he's 27. Uh, you know, coming off the hip, I'm not really too concerned about the hip. I think I've mentioned that before, but you know, if you listen to us last year, Kenny Galladay wasn't gonna play. You know, he, you know, and he he kept pra- like he was limited in practices or or not even practicing. And I mean, it didn't even make sense for him to do that as a free agent trying to get 18 million dollars a year. What if he goes out, re-injures the hip? Now he's looking for a one-year deal, and at 27. Uh, going on a a one-year deal is not really what you're looking for. So Kenny Galladay, a little up there in age. Uh, He was a little bit of an older prospect. Um, So, you know, I think right now we strike while the iron's hot. Uh, And obviously, you know, Mike and I get into that a little bit, and I've made my feelings known on it uh, before as well. So Kenny Galladay, definitely somebody that I'm looking to shop. Um, But we had some some uh some of these you know lower level signings come in um you know we saw i don't want to call ty hilton a lower level signing but uh re-signs with the colts on a one-year 10 million dollar deal not one i'm not really i don't really i'm not really too excited one way or the other there with ty hilton he's obviously somebody that we uh as a as a contingent here at the fantasy football diagnostics podcast have been down on for uh, you know, going back to last year, um, and you know, from a dynasty perspective, he's somebody that you should have been trying to sell last year. Um, so, 
uh, not too excited about it. I mean, obviously, Carson Wentz there, so uh, quarterback situation. Uh, Carson Wentz playing with Frank Reich. We've seen that have seen them have success before, but it's all about Michael Pittman for me if we're talking about Colts pass catchers. So not much interest there in T.Y. Hilton. C. Demarcus Robinson re-signs with Kansas City on a one-year deal. Seems like Kansas City was going hard after receivers. We, we caught wind of them going after Juju. We caught wind of them going after uh, even T.Y. Hilton here. So, um, you know, they're going, they're, they're going after receivers. Uh, and, you know, it seems like they're settling for Demarcus Robinson. So uh, that would kind of make me believe that they're not really too sold on Miko Hardman being able to take that next step, uh, which is kind of uh, disappointing, right? Because, you know, obviously I, I've I've wanted uh, to see Miko Hardman do well. I've been a, a huge believer in him and his ability, but hasn't been able to put it all together as a wide receiver uh, you know, at the NFL level. Uh, so m- maybe it's, you know, a position that the, the the Chiefs look to target in the upcoming draft. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and then we see Adam Humphreys. He signs on a one-year deal with the Washington football team. I think this is good news uh, for, you know, Curtis Samuel, actually. I think this frees him up to do some, to you know, to to not just be the slot receiver. Uh, frees him up to do a bunch of different things. Adam Humphreys, we know he spends most of his time in the slot. So, uh, really, really uh, don't really care about that signing as much for Adam Humphreys, but I like it for uh, a guy like Curtis Samuel uh, and even a guy like Terry McLaurin as well. So, gotta love that one. Um, and then you know, running backs. Uh, Damian Williams signs with the Chicago Bears on a one-year deal, so uh, that backfield is getting a little crowded there now between uh, Williams and uh, David Montgomery and uh, Tariq Cohen coming back. So uh, maybe this does affect David Montgomery from you know from just a standpoint of he he won't get as many touches as he as he did last year uh, with guys like Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen. Obviously, uh, being involved, I mean, Damian Williams has familiarity with Matt Nagy from their Kansas City days. So, um, you know, there's a relationship there. Um, Staying with the running back position, Matt Breida signed a one-year deal with the Bills. Uh, I think think the Bills are going to make an addition at running back. I mean, you look at what they did. Uh, you know, they, they drafted Zach Moss last year in the third round. They drafted Devin Singletary the year before in the third round. And I think that they don't, I mean, again, and I'm just, I'm just kind of guessing here. Uh, I, I just don't think they're satisfied with their running back room. And I think they're going to try to add some, you know, a, a, another guy, uh, maybe through the draft that can, uh, you know, hit the home run, uh, catch balls out of the backfield, um, I think that's what they're. I think they're. That's what they're going to be looking for. Uh, you know, I threw a tweet out there the other day because it's something I've been thinking about, and I think I said it even here on this show when I was talking about them during the uh, draft. You know, the prospect reviews. Uh, but Travis Etienne on the Bills, man. I, I don't know what it is, but that one just it just feels like it makes so much sense. And so, uh, as a Jets fan, don't really want that to happen as much, but. As a major Travis Etienne fan and seeing how good that Bills offense is, I would be for it. So uh, that's that. Uh, James White 
re-signs to uh you know re-signs with new england on a one-year deal two and a half million dollars so um you know it was from i think for james white it was either going to new england going back to new england or, or going with tom brady to tampa bay and i think those were his two choices surprised he didn't go with tampa bay uh but maybe you know wants to finish out his year his career with with the new england patriots um james white you know he was okay last year definitely declined from from the year before but uh, that's what happens when you're, you know, you go from a pass-centric offense to a run-centric offense as a pass-catching running back. So, uh, you know, that's it there. And then staying in the AFC East, uh, Tevin Coleman signs with the New York Jets on a one-year deal that's worth up to two million dollars. And, uh, you know, I've said it before. I said it on uh, if you if you are a Jets fan and you you happen to listen to them, and now we have Liftoff New York Jets podcast hosted by yours truly and my and my guy Frank Jim Piccolo. Uh, then you would know that I've, we've been saying the Jets aren't going to do something major at running back. I'm as much as I you know would love them to, uh, you know whether it was you know sign a guy like an oh I guess the equivalent of what would have been an Aaron Jones or um. You know, or drafting a guy like a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne, they're not going to do it. So, uh, you know, this contingent coming from you look at Joe Douglas, his background. You look at Kyle Shanahan, or you know, the Shanahan system. You know, the running backs that run through that, uh, they're not really highly drafted guys. And so, Tevin Coleman, kind of uh, two million, a deal worth up to two million dollars. It's probably incentive laden. Like he's got to have a really good year to get that two million dollars. So. Uh, I'm not really, I, I under, just understand it's going to be a committee in this backfield, and, and we know that. And so, you know, just look at the Shanahan, scene, the Shanahan scheme. Uh, so, honestly, for me, a guy like Ty Johnson, if I can get my hands on him for cheap, uh, he makes a ton of sense, right? Because he's not going to cost you much. Uh, this backfield is so muddled, and he looked good in spots last year. And then you think about the guys that have had success in this Shanahan running scheme, right? Uh, guys like Matt Breida, guys like Raheem Moster, guys like Tevin Coleman at times, guys with speed, you know, so uh, Ty Johnson, he's got speed, right, and so it's really just about uh, getting this offensive line right, uh, and then Ty Johnson getting some of these touches, right, so we'll see about that one, and then one big running back news, uh, slightly big running back news, Leonard Fournette is back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year deal. So didn't get the exact numbers on it. Uh, again, curious to see how that turns out because, uh, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had quite the one-two punch there with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Uh, it was, you know, mainly Ronald Jones during the regular season, but then playoff Lenny uh, did his thing. So, um yeah, definitely gonna be curious to see how that how that splits out. But uh, Leonard Leonard Fournette, uh, you know Nick Scrip of P2W Fantasy came on a few weeks ago and said he's a buy candidate, uh, and I think him going back to Tampa Bay uh, would probably um, would probably make you know scare people off a little bit. So if you're a believer in Leonard Fournette and you're a believer. In, in his ability and his talent and his, and you know the, and that he you're confident that he will be the the workhorse over Ronald Jones or he'll see these touches honestly because he's gonna see these these 
receiving touches and he's going to see these goal line touches too right so those are those are two of the most important touches that you want uh so i, I mean leonard leonard fournette seems like he would be uh, the guy that we would rather have in, in this particular scenario but that's not what we're here for we're here to talk about the trade so let's talk about the trade the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch of the San Francisco 49ers have made a trade with the Miami Dolphins trading their number one pick this year, which was number 12 overall, a 2021 third round pick, which I believe is a compensatory pick, which they they received because the Jets hired Robert Sala, who's a minority coach, and first round picks in 2022 and 2023 to move up to number three and question is what are they moving up for and there's only one thing you move up for you give up this much to move up for and that's a quarterback so the question is who's the quarterback that they're taking right and so as a Jets fan for me Obviously, this is important because the Jets are number two in this draft, um, and so it's been widely consi- it's been widely assumed that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. Been widely assumed, so you have to believe that Kyle Shanahan and and his contingent in San Fran that they understand that. I mean, and look at the relationships, right? You see Robert Sala, Mike Lafleur, uh, they have a relationship with. Um, they have a relationship with Kyle Shanahan and his contingent, and they probably talked about this, right? And, and one of the things Adam Schefter said was the, the the Niners, they were calling all the teams in the top of the draft, but they didn't call the Jets. And so they must have known the Jets weren't moving off that spot, right? They weren't going to move off that spot. So they're, and, and the only reason the Jets don't move off that spot is because they're taking a quarterback. Right, so the question is, okay, well, which quarterback are they taking? Right, because it's been Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or you know, even Trey Lance has entered conversation quite a few times, and that's when this other trade comes in, right? Because within minutes of making the trade with the with the 49ers, the Dolphins then turn around and essentially trade the number twelve pick, uh, number one hundred and twenty three. And a 2022nd first round pick for the Eagle to the Eagles for number six and number 156 overall. So basically, they swap mid round picks and they swap first round picks, and the Eagles in turn receive a 2022 first round pick. And the Eagles reportedly were trying to trade up to three because. They wanted to trade up to get Zach Wilson. And they were only they would only trade up if they could get Zach Wilson. And Howie Roseman, the GM for the Eagles, has a working relationship with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas used to be an assistant to Howie Roseman in Philadelphia uh, in 2015 when they won that Super Bowl. And so, um, did I say 2015? It definitely wasn't 2015. It was like 2017, but whatever. When they won the Super Bowl, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, um, the uh, Joe Douglas was was part of that staff. He was part of that front office. Him and Harry Roseman are good friends. They have a relationship. 
Kai Roseman is only move. He, he doesn't move up here because he knows Joe Douglas is taking Zach Wilson at two. So there you have it. We know the first two picks in the draft. Trevor Lawrence is one. Zach Wilson, who had his pro day the other day, most likely will be the second pick in the draft. And then what do the Niners do? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? And that's a conversation that we're going to have for basically the next month. Uh, And so something to think about, something to consider with all these Niners pieces. What does it mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? It's something that we're going to have to break down for the next month or so and even longer. So without further ado, let me bring y'all into Mike or my interview with Mike. Make sure you go follow him on on uh, Twitter at Daddy's Home FF and uh, please rate review the show and I know you guys will love this this interview right here. Next up, I have my man Mike Fiella. Uh, he's a, a man that loves to uh, talk football and spread love throughout the fantasy community. Uh, during the season, he's the co-host of the Fantasy Intervention Podcast Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Um, but today he's here to talk to us about some some uh, fantasy uh, uh, reaction to the free agency that just happened. So, Mike, how's it going, man? Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked. Yeah, I uh, love this time of year, right, where everything gets thrown in the blender and mixed up and we got to figure out who's doing what now that it's, uh, the dust is kind of settling, yeah? Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised that we're, you know, you are, you're a nice guy and everything, but you're, you're a New England Patriots fan. So uh, this is, you know, me being a Jets fan, it's going to be tough to make it through this podcast, but luckily having gone, having experience going to school in the Massachusetts area, uh, I've, I've dealt with your, with your kind before. So this shouldn't be too much of a challenge. Well, I mean, you've made it this far as a Jets fan. So I figure you can make it through anything, man. I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, let's kick this off. And both of us being from the Northeast area, we understand that it's not about just these little guys that run around and catch the ball. It's about these, these big guys in the trenches. So we spend so much time talking about these skilled players from a fantasy perspective, but did you see something uh, from a team that, that maybe they did something on their offensive line, good or bad, that, that might have caught your attention this offseason? Yeah, so I guess if you want to start, let, let's start with the good. Uh, and the first one for me was uh, Lindsley to the Chargers. I love that. I, I love it for Herbert. I love it for Austin Eckler, who are two players that I'm really high on, have been for a while, have them on a lot of teams. And what I love seeing is when you have a young rookie quarterback who showed promise, I love them investing in the offensive line. You're seeing a lot of teams going out and getting weapons. But like you said, it's not all about those little guys. They need to have time. So I think this opens up a lot for that offense who are already down Hunter Henry. And I think what this is going to do is it's actually going to somehow, amazingly enough, boost up Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert, who had just a spectacular rookie season. Mm -hmm. So I love that move for them. Um, The other one that I'd have on the positive, call me Homer if you want, I love what the Pats did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adding Trent Williams, adding – uh, Karras back and also bringing back David Andrews on what seems to be a really team-friendly deal. I will tell you, I was sweating out 
the Andrews rumors. There was talks about him going to Miami. Then there were talks about potentially Green Bay. And the center is the quarterback of that line. Andrews is the one that makes things go. So bringing him back was huge. And then getting the big guy on the end, obviously, with Trent Williams, who just thrived here. Now, the one we probably want to talk about, though, let's be honest, you know, you want to get the clicks, you want to get into it. Uh, if we talk about the negative, um, the first one we're going to look at is the Raiders, right? And uh, what they did, they, they got rid of Williams. So we're just talking about him being a positive for the Patriots, got rid of Hudson. And I was talking to Tommy Moe, uh, who, you know, a, a boy from the Undroppables. He's a guy, I know he's a Raiders fan. And I told him, the one thing I will tell you is that this is, like judging a painting that hasn't done yet, talking about a team in March, there's a lot that can come back. There's a lot that can change. We got a draft coming up, obviously. You're going to have a second round of veteran cuts like we always do, especially with the cap space being what it is. So I don't want to say that they're in trouble now. It's only March. We don't have to play for six months. But right now, I can't tell what this painting is going to become because it looks ugly as it stands today. I don't see how they took what was the strength of their team in the offensive line two years ago. Obviously, last year was hurt. But when you look at 2019, this was really a top two or three offensive line in the league. It gave David Carr time. It gave Josh Jacobs holes. And to take that strength away and really not seem to improve in other areas. I mean, they brought in Kenyon Drake. They brought in Smokey Brown. I don't know what they're doing with this money right now, but but that concerns me more than anything else. And I'm, I'm sure you're feeling the same way with the Raiders right now, like a little puzzled, I guess, if nothing else, right? Yeah, definitely feel you with the Raiders. But I actually feel you with, with, with all of this. I mean, you talked about – I want to go back to the Chargers. You talked about what they did to help Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, obviously being here as a Jets fan and watching the exact opposite happen for Sam Darnold, not even going to compare the two as players because Justin Herbert was absolutely phenomenal in his rookie season. Um, and, you you know, you'd go, I could go as far as to say he's a top seven quarterback in the NFL, regardless of fantasy. But uh, to get him help on the, on the line with Justin, uh, with, with uh, Corey Lindsley. And then, you know, like you were saying, I love what you're saying about, uh, Eckler and, and Keenan Allen because we've seen this offense in the past become very concentrated between those two receivers or between those two players and um, you know you got Joe Lombardi the offensive coordinator coming from New Orleans and we've seen that offense get very concentrated between a receiver and a pass catching running back as well so uh, love that and then even the Pats as well you know building that offensive line getting the depth that they that they sorely need because you know they're going to draft like two or three of them in the middle rounds like they always do uh and you know just kind of take advantage of the comp pick system there uh but you know with the Raiders man like you said I, I do have my concerns you know uh this because the offensive line that was always you know we could talk about the lack of of pass catching we could talk about the Raiders uh win-loss record and Josh Jacobs utilization uh in 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 uh, wins versus his utilization and losses. But the, the the ace that he always had in the hole was, well, he's got this dominant offensive line. And, you know, they're going to run the ball and he's going to and he's going to take those carries. And, yeah, maybe he won't uh, dominate in every single game, but those games where he does produce, it's going to be uh, over 100 yards, two, three touchdowns on the ground. And, and you know, you're, you're going to take those. But without this offensive line, I, I just have more questions now than, than answers for Josh Jacobs. And this is somebody that I was 
you know, relatively low on, uh, you know, considering uh, his where he was going in drafts last year uh, because I was concerned about the pass catching. And now you add in a running back like Kenyon Drake. Uh, Mike, let me ask you, were you surprised uh, by the lack of the running back movement on the market? Uh, Aaron Jones stayed in Green Bay. Guys like Jamal Williams and the aforementioned Kenyon Drake settling for, for backup roles here. Uh, what, what was your overall you know, thoughts on the running back market and what are your, I guess, outlooks for 2021 from a dynasty perspective? So I, I think it really – there aren't too, too many players that got hurt in free agency that I was particularly interested in. The one guy who said lost value, A.J. Dillon, with Aaron Jones going back, I was certainly hoping mm-hmm. for those guys to split up, see what the kid could do, get Aaron Jones maybe in a Miami situation. I, I certainly would have loved that. I'm, I'm still shocked that as of right now, Miles Gaskin is the top of that depth chart. Did not see that coming. Um, and Chris right. Carson going back to Seattle. To be honest, I'm not a penny guy. Uh, it's it just not a player I'm interested in. So I, I actually like mm-hmm. that for Chris Carson, and there wasn't a lot of drop there. The guys you hit on, though, that are most interesting are the two that took backup roles. Jamal Williams, you knew, was going somewhere to take the pass-catching role. He is a stud in that. I'm just surprised he went to Detroit, where you already have such an outstanding pass-catching running back in DeAndre Swift, uh, You know, one of the best that we have in the league at being that dual threat. So I, I that one hurt me a little bit. But the big one, and uh, this is going to turn into a Raiders podcast real quick, is is Kenyon Drake. Uh, so like I said, for me personally, I put out my rankings. I know you saw them. Uh, the biggest flack I got was not having Josh Jacobs in my top 20. Now, this was in February, so you can imagine how I'm feeling now with the <laughs> offensive line gone and Kenyon Drake coming in. It, it's, it's a mess. And I think that Josh Jacobs, while almost in some leagues, might now become somebody that I'm picking up if folks are overreacting. Uh, there's no way that I see him as, never mind an RB1, uh, he's really hanging on by a thread as someone I'm comfortable with as an RB2 at this point. I think him and Kenyon Drake are, are very similar players. Uh, Kenyon Drake certainly seemed to lose a lot of giddy-up. And I, I talked uh, with John Paulson yesterday uh, about this. We were talking about Kenyon Drake. He's a big fan of the player, and, and I actually am as well. Uh, I didn't see a lot of giddy-up there, but if the ankle comes back to normal, maybe that comes back. But what I did see is a guy who was scoring. Uh, and the fact is when you're not a pass catcher like Josh Jacobs is not, if he starts losing any goal line work, that drops from the flex play. I mean, he was only getting 25 catches as it was, so he's already trying to catch up with these running backs that are getting 50 to 70 catches. I mean, that realistically, if you do the math on on 50 catches even, is five touchdowns in PPR format. I mean, that that's – that, that's a lot, right, if you're talking 20 to 50. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about him potentially mm-hmm. losing a couple of those touchdowns. If he drops down to 1,006, let's just say 1,005, with his limited pass-catching ability, that's just not somebody I'm investing in. I, I will take wide receivers and put him in my flex before I take someone like that who's just another guy with those stats. So I'm very concerned for Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake joining the team. Yeah, man, definitely. And it's it's crazy, right? Because, I mean, and you can let me know if you feel the same way as I do. I, I think you might. Like, I don't have an issue with Josh Jacobs, the player. Like, I love the player. I just don't think the Raiders see him as this workhorse back that maybe some of these other backs are, 
are utilized as. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you did see some pass catching at Alabama. Now, my fear mm-hmm. is that what they either have made him or what he's become, we have seen how the NFL values players like that in the form of Leonard Fournette. I think that realistically, when I saw Fournette in a Jaguars uniform at the beginning of last year, right before he got cut, he was a better version of Josh Jacobs to me. Like he was, mm-hmm. you know, nothing in the passing game, a very good runner. People, I think, sometimes forget how good Leonard Fournette was coming out of LSU. So mm-hmm. what you saw was he gets cut, which is shocking in its own right. And then nobody's really clamoring to pick him up. And even Tampa considered walking away from him in, in November before he had this really nice playoff run. So what you saw was a guy looking for work. Josh Jacobs has two years left on his rookie deal. What happens next? And if you're talking dynasty, man, that's tough to buy into because the league is going more towards guys that we talked about earlier, like Austin Eckler type running backs. It's a passing league now. And that ground and pound running back doesn't have a lot of spots to go. And one of them just got re-upped, which is Seattle, but there aren't many other spots that used the running back that way. So even if you're the biggest Josh Jacobs fan, I feel like you're on a clock. Even if you think Kenyon Drake isn't a threat to him, let's take that out of the equation. I still think you're on more of a clock. I think he has one or two years less in his window than most running backs. I never project more than two, you know, three to four years out, but I don't see Josh Jacobs having value even two years out at this point. Yeah, it's it's really tough, man. It it really is. I mean, and then you see these natural runners like like a Nick Chubb or or like a Derrick Henry, and, and you ask, you know, is is there a world like that where, you know, that exists for Josh Jacobs? But the Raiders just, you know, by by all accounts, just aren't. Uh, it just doesn't seem like they're going to give him all that work. I mean, they give it to him in spots, but you don't sign Kenyon Drake to you know eleven and a half billion dollars over two years to have him sit on the bench, especially when you were giving Devontae Booker work last year. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head that you were already giving Booker work. Kenyon Drake is three times the running back that Devontae Booker is. So if you're already taking work away from a guy for Booker, there is no doubt you're going to be taking work away from him for Kenyon Drake. That That's why he was signed. I think this is now a committee. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to this wide receiver market. Uh, what was your overall reaction? We see Kenny Galladay go to the Giants on, on a mega deal. Uh, we see Juju Smith-Schuster uh, toy with the option of maybe going to Kansas City, maybe going to Baltimore. Uh, there was rumors of the Jets. Don't know how true those were, but ends up going back to Pittsburgh when it's all said and done. And then Wolf Fuller going to the Dolphins, among all these other moves that we happened, but that happened, but what was your overall reaction and what were some of your favorite moves? Or yeah, it, it got a little gross to, to be honest, when you look at the landing spots there, there was a lot of, you know, kind of, I don't want to say sad, but like, I, I, I was bummed with you start out thinking what could have been, and then you land mm-hmm. on what actually is. So just going down the list and you look at the, the players that change spots, uh, you know, the biggest one for me started off early. Like what hit me hard was Chris Godwin uh, getting franchise tag was the first one that bummed me out for a lot of reasons. 
Uh, Chris Godwin, I was praying, was going like in Indianapolis. I want to see what he does as a true alpha. But instead, what he did was he put a ceiling over himself, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown all over again. Uh, so that got us off kind of on the wrong foot. Obviously, Allen Robinson getting tagged is a bummer. They have no quarterback. And now you start talking about who actually gained value. Galladay, man, probably gained some target share. But less efficient target share when you look at a Daniel Jones from a Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuller, to me, is is now almost unrosterable. I mean, when you talk about a horrible pairing, man, <laughs> and I love Will Fuller, but, man, Chua Tugavailoa oh, and man. Will Fuller couldn't be, like, the more odd couple, right? Like, they're those two you see on a date, and you're like, nice. what are they doing together, right? And, man, it's just gross. Now, I will say, if you look at the second half of the year, Juju going back to Pittsburgh for Juju himself. I actually just made a deal for him this morning because I have high hopes for him. They they really started turning on the targets in the Mm -hmm. second half of the year. Uh, So I I think Juju, at the very least, kind of kept value. Then you get into this weird set of – random guys let's just call them right Aguilar in new england man i don't even know who's going to be our quarterback so uh, yeah whatever i mean he's he's going to get some targets but those tight ends are going to take a lot of share there so i'm not thrilled with that uh cory davis to to the jets says as you know for your football team man that that's great uh for fantasy mm-hmm. though all it kind of does is make him and mims <laughs> kind of meh um, and I don't even know what's happening with Crowder because there's not a lot of dead money on the Crowder deal. Are they going to move on from him? You probably know better than me, but I was just kind of like, meh. And then obviously T.Y. Hilton back to Indy, whatever. Uh, the guy I guess that honestly most interesting is Curtis Samuel to the football team, uh, which is still hard to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, I think <laughs> Curtis Samuel to Washington – I don't love it for Samuel. I, I don't. And I, I've talked about this, and honestly, some people do, and, and people smarter than me do, so I'm I'm willing to be wrong here. But when I see what Curtis Samuel does for Washington, it, it really opens up the rest of the offense. I love that signing for McLaurin. I love that signing for Logan Thomas, and I even love that signing for Antonio Gibson as another guy who's going to take up space. Now, even this morning, they signed Adam Humphreys, and I don't know why what they're doing there or who's mm-hmm. going to play the slot, what's going to happen. Uh, but for Samuel, I don't love it. And, and the reason for that is I, I think Samuel's value came from his uh, being used as Swiss Army knife, came from him being used in the backfield, those swing passes, those running plays. And what, what he went to is a team that has two – wide receivers as running backs already in Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Mm-hmm. Now, McKissick did get, I, I want to say, 100 targets. I believe it might even been more. Uh, but I, I think that Gibson gets a lot of those. I think McKissick still gets some of those. Mm-hmm. So what is left for Curtis Samuel, really? And are they just going to have him running fly patterns, which is not his game? That's not where he thrives. And to be quite honest, when he was with Turner and Rivera before, We all kind of hated that from what I remember correctly. So I don't understand why people are excited all of a sudden that Samuel's going back to Turner and Rivera because they didn't use him properly the first time. Why would they do that now? So I guess to answer your question in a nutshell, now I'm kind of disgusted with the way it went. I mean, there's nothing that I was like, oh, dang. You know what I mean? Like I made very little adjustments to my rankings based on what happened. 
because realistically you were already ranking Allen Robinson with the garbage quarterback. Andy Dalton might be the best he's ever had. You were already ranking Juju based on what he did in Pittsburgh. I mean, there's nobody that I think really jumps out positive, negative. The only negative I think, honestly, no offenses, is Davis until I figure out what y'all are doing at quarterback. I can't think that Davis is going to have a better situation than he did with Tannehill. I, I just don't know that's going to happen. So you basically have a bunch of break even or dropped a little bit, but I don't think anyone fell through the floor besides Fuller. And I absolutely don't think anyone, anyone went through the roof. It was just been kind of a status quo type offseason. It's so funny because you and I sounded almost identical uh, to my reaction last week to what happened for this receiver segment. Almost uh, just a few differences, but Will Fuller, you could have just quoted me verbatim. And uh, you know that I I agree 100% love Will Fuller. I hate the fit. It just, it just doesn't fit. Will Fuller into a tongue of I low. There's nothing about that that gets me excited. Um, And so you know, the way I kind of put it is I'm going to, you know, just, I'm just going to be in wait and see mode with Will Fuller, maybe, you know, just hopefully I can hold him for a year if I can, because hopefully, uh, you know, he ends up in a better situation next year. He's still young. Uh, I think he'll be 26 by the time the season starts. So uh, willing to do that there with Will Fuller if I can spare it. But uh, Juju have not been fully in love with the player, but I, I get your, your process there. Uh, you know, obviously – in Pittsburgh where he's comfortable with, with Ben Roethlisberger in that offense. Uh, Kenny Galladay of the Giants, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Like, target share goes up, but the target efficiency goes down. So, you know, where does that really net you? Plus, he's 27 years old. So, you know, if we're looking at everything from a three-year window, three years from now, he'll be 30, and this is probably your sell high point with him. So that's how I look at his situation. But Curtis Samuel, though, I, I – uh, I'm of the uh, I'm of the other opinion there, where where I think that I do like this situation. Um, you know, obviously with Scott Turner and, and Ron Rivera, we were also dealing with with Kyle Allen, who I mean, <laughs> he's even in the building for Washington. So maybe maybe I'm not making any good points here, but uh, you know, we do know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, he's he's an upgrade at the quarterback position. Uh, I do like the fact that. You know, if you think about it, Adam Humphreys does open up Curtis Samuel to do uh, more things, right? You know, because he, you know, Curtis Samuel can be the the slot receiver. He can be the guy that you use on jet sweeps and out of the backfield, but he also can be the guy that you that you run on these fly routes and these go routes. So I think, you know, we know Adam Humphreys is not a full time player. He's 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 a part time player. So maybe he opens up. Uh, some opportunities for Curtis Samuel to use to be used in other ways, and maybe Curtis Samuel will take some of these snaps away from JD McKissick because there is no no other running back. We do know we have seen Curtis Samuel used in that capacity in the past. So I think there, you know, maybe I'm optimistic because I'm just in love with the player Curtis Samuel. I've been in love with him as a player since he was back in Ohio State, um, and have just always felt that there was this ceiling that just hasn't been reached yet. And maybe that's the optimism speaking here, but uh, I do see a see it within the range of outcomes where he could potentially, you know, have have himself a good a good. Yeah, and like I said, people like you, people that are smarter than me, man, you, you guys are are all in. I absolutely could be missing the boat, and I'm never arrogant enough to believe that's that's not the case. I just when I look at where he's going now, 
I'm more comfortable with that straightforward wide receiver too. Someone that doesn't need to take snaps from somebody else. Someone you know is either going to line up on the outside or in the slot. Get that 80% snap share. Get those five to seven targets. Like that's who he's going with. And maybe it's the risk averse player in me. But that's more who I tend to lean towards. Because I don't want to rely on a coach figuring a player out. I like when players are straightforward and just do what they do. And they go to a spot that needs done what that player does. And that's what scares me here is I just don't see it as straightforward, if that makes sense. So I could be missing it, but that's where my head leans with Samuel at this point. Yeah, no, man, and that totally makes sense, and I and I get the thought process there, and I I almost missed the, the Corey <laughs> Davis one, but yeah, uh, Corey Davis, I'm with you 100% for the football team as a whole, the New York Jets and their offense. This is very good, but from a fantasy perspective, this is not an upgrade whatsoever for Corey Davis. You know, granted, we still have to see what happens at quarterback, but either way. Like you said, him and, and Mims, they're, they're kind of twins out there, you know, in terms of, of body height and body type and, and even uh, in terms of the physicality in which they play. So, you know, going to be competing for targets out there uh, from a probably a, a quarterback situation that's less than ideal. But, Mike, let me ask you, man, based on some of these results from free agency thus far or maybe has nothing to do with free agency – because uh, maybe people around them are moving as a result of free agency. But give me some 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 buy lows that you, you've got going on. Man, so I'll uh, tell you, you got to try to figure out what is real life compared to Twitter. Because if it was Twitter, man, I, I'd be telling you it was DeAndre Swift <laughs> and Jonathan Taylor based on the reaction I'm hearing about the Jamal Williams and Marlon Mack signings. I, I, I don't get it. I'm not dropping them even an inch based on this. I think everybody needs some backup. Uh, so I guess if we just take a look at who are some of the players that I'm coming up with more on the cheap guys that I'm trying to get on my team and reasons for it. The number one for me right now, especially in such a wasteland of a position, is Gerald Everett. Um, I'm getting him for, for peanuts. Mm. Going to Seattle, going to a spot where this is an athlete. I mean, this is a high caliber athlete, 26 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, big time target, 6'3, 240, runs like a like a speed, you know, for a guy that size. I want to say he ran maybe a four five. Uh, four six. I mean, th- this is a player. This is an athlete that I've been waiting to get out of that twelve personnel system and get into a situation where he's the only tight end. <laughs> You're talking about two deep threats on the outside in Metcalf and Lockett. Like I understand Metcalf's a big guy, but he is not a box out red zone type wide receiver. He's not getting those Demontana one yard touchdowns. So when they're not pounding it with Chris Carson. I'm hoping they're they're popping it to to Everett. And realistically, given the landscape at tight end, touchdowns make all the difference. So for me, Gerald Everett's an an easy grab. That's a player that I've been picking up, excuse me, I'd say almost everywhere. The other guy, now that he goes back to Seattle, uh, and maybe maybe I'll just make this a Seahawks part of the game, uh, but 
can we ever stop underrating Chris Carson? I mean, that man is going to finish as the running back 10 again this year, and you're going to be able to get him at running back 22 prices for reasons I can't figure out. So I am always going to, every time someone asks me who I think the cost of acquisition is way too low on it, it almost always seems to come up Chris Carson. So I don't know what everybody else is looking at that I'm not. Uh, but again, I'm grabbing him everywhere for, for next to nothing, I guess. And then my third guy, and this is just dynasty related, but the, the, my third guy is Michael Gallup. I, I still love Michael Gallup. I still see an out in Amari Cooper's contract that people seem to pretend doesn't exist. Uh but after next year, there's a lot of dead money on that contract and Dak's new super deal kicks in. And I get it. Michael Gallup's a free agent at the end of the year, but you can have him for less than what's going to take to continue on with Cooper. They drafted C.D. Lamb to be the wide receiver one. I still think that Michael Gallup has the real potential to be the wide receiver two in Dallas as early as 2022. And again, you're getting him for next to nothing. And what's your worst case, John, right? Like what your worst case with Gallup is he leaves and he goes somewhere else and Amari Cooper stays. So he goes somewhere where he's going to get the football. Uh, so, so those are really the guys that I look at that I'm like, man, I'll tell you, they're still, people are still sleeping on these players. People are still really not seeing, I think, what, what's the biggest deal. And then I'll give you one. I'm, I'm going to give you one that, that's a lot deeper, and especially Superflex League. So give you, give you a bonus one here, number four. Um, and that's Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. So Mariota just went back to the Raiders on a restructured contract deal. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that restructured contract deal is that Mariota's contract now includes – a no trade clause, if I'm not mistaken. And if I look at him getting a no trade clause with the restructured deal, that is makes him a very, very tradable asset from the sense of why would someone sign this deal? Why would you sign a $3.5 million deal that's a very tradable contract, then take a no trade clause to be a backup. People don't do that. People don't take no trade clauses to be backups. The reason they take no trade clauses is because they want to be able to dictate where they're going. So is it possible that Mariota has his next team picked out? He is very attractive at 3.5 million a year has the ability to pick his next team. Is it possible that one of these teams that we're waiting on hell? I know one that's in my backyard here that could use a quarterback like Mm -hmm. that. So can you Mm -hmm. pick up Mariota right now for backup prices and possibly have yourself a starting quarterback by September? Absolutely. And I think people are going to panic they're going to see that he restructured. They're going to see that he went back to the Raiders and say, why do I want him? Because chances of him playing for the Raiders on that contract are very slim, in my opinion. Yeah, man. So let's just start at the top with Gerald Everett. I absolutely love that one. 
last each of the last two years over 60 targets 50 over the last three years um and we've seen the likes of uh jacob hollister get 59 targets uh we saw the contingent of him and uh, Will Disley get 76 targets in Seattle in 2019. Um, Russell Wilson likes to target the tight end position. So Gerald Everett going to be the potentially the number one tight end on the depth chart uh, for Russell Wilson. That's got to be exciting because, you know, a lot of times when I was streaming, I was going to those Seattle tight ends and I would feel a lot comfortable if that Seattle tight end. Is yeah, absolutely. Over. I love it. Right. I mean, and what are you seeing him go for? I mean, I just got him to start up in, I think the 14th round. Yeah. I mean, he might not cost you anything at all. I mean, and then, you know, Chris Carson, you know, we, we respect him on, on this show, but like you said, he's criminally underrated. Uh, so I, you know, I like the idea of buying him, you know, it's crazy. A few years ago, when they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, I actually ended oh, no. up selling Chris oh. Carson for a third round pick. So, a third round rookie pick, and it it it, it, it still <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's not quite enough. <laughs> no, no, um, and then you know Michael Gallup. I absolutely love that one. Uh, Michael Gallup has been one of my favorite, my favorite wide receivers. He's been one of one of the guys I, I've had on this list for what feels like a couple years now. Um, you know, no, it's definitely a couple years that I've had Michael Gallup on 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 a buy low list. So, absolutely love this one. And the Mariota man, I mean, uh, where? So I know you said New England. That makes sense. That was like the first team that I wrote down. But you know, it seems like it's you know the quarterback. Um, market is a game of musical chairs and at some point somebody's going to get left without a seat so what other spots do you think are I mean, so, so when you look at the situation as it stands right now i think you have a lot of teams pining for these rookie quarterbacks right and and i think what's going to happen is you're going to see this this high-end talent of which we i think we would have five this year uh between lawrence fields lance Wilson and uh, Mac Daddy Jones, where someone's going to get left out of that. And I think Mm -hmm. whoever gets left out, whether it's New England, whether it's Carolina, uh, you know, even San Francisco seems to be waning on Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. And obviously, I don't want to get into a lot of the details around the situation because I'm in no way, shape, or form a lawyer. But when we look at the situation in, in Houston right now, that is that's a spot that people expected to be taken up. I everyone thought Deshaun Watson was going somewhere. So obviously with him probably off the table right now, are they really going to go with Terod Taylor or would they want a potential competition there? So I think you're looking at a lot of teams that are open for a quarterback, only five of them going to be able to fix it in the draft. And even with those five, are we certain that more than two or three of them are day one starters? So is Mariota potentially taking a one-year deal with one of the teams that does get those quarterback? That's a possibility, especially, I mean, looking at looking at your Jets, right? If they were to move on from Darnold, which I'm on record saying I don't think they should. I, I think actually they should go uh, Sewell at number two and, and see where Darnold has 
roll it one more year, but obviously they, they may go rookie quarterback, but would they be comfortable, especially given the structure of the team right now, putting him in as the day one starter? Or would you bring in a Mariota to go in front of maybe a Josh Fields or a Zach Wilson or even a Trey Lance, depending on which way they go? There's a possibility there. So I, I think that when you look at the quarterback landscape, there's a lot of good spots for Mariota to go still that probably may wait till after the draft and see who jumps up and who doesn't. And I think you may have a few surprise spots too. Heck, maybe even a Cincinnati might want him if Joe Burrow's not quite ready to come back week one because, in my opinion, they're not competitors. So why would you rush back your franchise? So I think there's a lot of spots he could go. Obviously, the most obvious ones are the ones you keep hearing on the market, which are New England, Carolina, like these are the spots you keep hearing. They said San Francisco, I think, has been talking to each and every quarterback that comes up, has been rumored to San Francisco most recently, Minshew. I, I think there are some spots out there for them. And I, I just think that, especially in Superflex, where these quarterbacks are gold, I, I think you could have a really nice landing spot for Marcus Mariota where his value could go up. And even if not, Let's look at the flip side. <laughs> they don't have anybody blocking in Vegas. There's no guarantee Derek Carr makes it out of week two. So they might go with the scrambling quarterback just to avoid having to pay off. <laughs> the line. Uh, so I think there's a lot of chances for him to gain value and very little chance for him to lose value, given the fact that you're picking him up as a backup quarterback price right now. Yeah, no, I, I like that one. Uh, I'm actually sitting on Mariota in a league. Uh, so, I, you know, I was curious to see what other teams you thought are out there. But, you know, I, as you mentioned, there's a, a bunch of teams that we're not even thinking about. But, Mike, let's get to some of these sell highs. You know, uh, again, as a result of free agency or maybe, you know, again, because people are, are being moved up or down around them that are making you wonder. Yeah, so I, I think we hit on the big one earlier, obviously, which is Josh Jacobs. I mean, if you can get – he was the running back eight last year. And to me, if you can get anywhere near top 12 value for Josh Jacobs, I'm moving on from him. That's just a player that I'm looking to get out from underneath, just given a lot of the situation that we're seeing there. The other guy, and I got killed for this, John, so this might lose some listeners, but whatever, let's, let's get after it, right? The other guy that realistically I'm looking to move for what his current price is, is Darren Waller. Darren Waller is going to be 29 years old. Now, granted, not a lot of wear on the tires. Uh, I think a lot of people know his story coming in. A really good story, what he battled through to get into the position that he's in. But in reality, this is still the NFL. He is a 28-year-old wide receiver, uh, tight end, excuse me, coming off of 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Very similar to the 28-year-old seasons of Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz. I am worried about him potentially hitting a cliff, whether it be this year or next year, given what's happening in Vegas, given the uncertainty of that team. 
I just don't know that his value will ever get higher. Now, I'm not saying sell low. So let's not get into this argument that Mike said, he's my tight end four. Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying sell low. However, if you're not a competitor, if you're not going to win this year and you have Darren Waller on your roster, I believe you could flip him for what would be the rookie pick that would land you Kyle Pitts plus. Now that's resetting the clock. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're bringing the clock back a little bit instead of worrying about when's this 28-year-old who, granted, only has, if not mistaken, about 40, yeah, looks like 46 games in his career. So he is a low tread on the tire, 28-year-old. But still, if you can get Kyle Pitts plus for Darren Waller and you're not a competitor, I don't see how you get away from a deal like that. So again, not sell low, just potentially may never have more value. And that's the guy that I'm thinking. And now the third guy that I'm going to give you as my move on from, and, and you hit it already, you already called him as a guy that you're moving on from, Kenny Galladay, is the next guy on my list. I actually just traded him for what's essentially Jerry Judy in a second. And I couldn't be happier. Uh, I'm not even sure I don't have Jerry Judy ranked higher than Kenny Galladay once I redo my rankings with everything that's happened. But Galladay is 27. Galladay is a low-volume catch guy. He doesn't have a high catch percentage. Galladay is definitely more of a reputation than he is a player, than he is output. So I don't hate him going to the Giants. This has nothing to do with him going to the Giants. Mm -hmm. This is everything to do with him just being more hype than substance. And because you can make deals like that. Like I'm looking at guys that he's going ahead of. Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. These are all players that I like just as much as Kenny Galladay. So if I can get that player plus for Kenny Galladay, I'm doing that every day and twice on Sunday. So this is this is a player that especially I traded him to a Giants fan. That's always your smartest move. Uh, make, make that move. Make it happen. Uh, but these are guys mm -hmm. that, again, <laughs> I always like to, to preface this with, I don't hate these players. I love every player. Every one of them could be on my roster if I could get them for – what I consider to be an acceptable trade, including Josh Jacobs, who I'm absolutely not a fan of. But if you're telling me I can get Josh Jacobs as my flex, I'm interested. But the thing is, these guys we mentioned are very mm -hmm. high-priced mm -hmm. resources that I think that you want to cash out on. And I think when I look at the value of players that are going around them, there is more value to be had outside of that particular player. And that's why we make deals. This, The reason why we make moves is to better our position, to add more value to our roster. And if a guy has hit his peak value and you can move him for said peak value, that's how you play the game. Better to be a year early than a year late. I can tell you as a guy who traded Todd Gurley for three firsts, it turned out to be Jonathan Taylor and Travis Kelsey, mm -hmm. and then acquired him mm -hmm. back for two seconds a year and a half later. Nobody should be untouchable. If you remember what happened, he won me that championship, and I moved him for three firsts right then and there, 
And I got Taylor and Kelsey for Todd Gurley when everyone said he was untouchable. I moved Melvin Gordon when he went to Denver and everyone said he's going to be the bell cow for an Antonio Gibson and was called Mm -hmm. an idiot. How are we doing now, friends? I'm feeling pretty good. Right. So the game isn't that I hated those players. They won me a championship, man. I love Todd Gurley with all of my heart. I love Melvin Gordon. Those two carried my team. Todd Gurley, especially on his back, 40 points a game every week of the playoffs. He literally handed me a trophy by himself. But this ain't, it's not about that. Trust me, he has no hard feelings. He don't know who I am. But the move was get out before it was too late and that's what we're looking to do here if you can find the next big thing for the current big thing and get plus do it but be careful and what i always preface people with is that remember your average dynasty league lasts five years so don't look at too large log of windows. If you think he's going to be a stud for five years, let's say Devonte Adams, for example, Tyree Kills, who I think are going to be studs for the next five years. I ain't moving them for anything. They're my mm-hmm. wide receiver one and two. Uh, I just don't think Darren Waller has five years left on mm-hmm. on his body. I, I don't I don't know that he has two. Uh, so that's a move that I made. Josh Jacobs, we talked about once he's off his rookie deal, I'm not sure he's getting signed again. So that's a move that that I'm taking. Kenny Galladay is 27 with the hip injury. We're good there, right? So if I don't see five years of high-end production and someone will give me what's that high-end production cost, 100% moving them. But then again, I, I legit, John, I would move anyone on my roster if you gave me the right price. I sell my mom for, for you know, the, the, the right cost, right? Um, but, but, but in reality, I mean, everybody is, is available. <laughs> everybody is able to be acquired. Uh, but what I'm looking for is who do I have to move now because things will never get better. And so you want to touch on those players, and then I'll give you kind of my overall with trades. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, look, man, I I, I feel the same way. I, I, I don't think any player should be untouchable. I mean, like you said, there are some players like where I, I, I see Tyreek Hill being within that a player where I can rely on him for the next four to five years, I'm not moving him unless, again, if, you, if you're going to offer me something ridiculous, like, you know, I'll give you Jonathan Taylor, Brandon Ayuk, and my mm-hmm. next three first-round picks for Tyreek Hill, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to consider that. But but at the end of the day, um, you know, there you have to be flexible, and I think that's a term that I use a lot uh, in when it comes to uh, moving players on my roster and even acquiring or, or moving draft picks is, is I want flexibility. Um, and, and, you know, I actually, I'm with you. I moved Kenny Galladay. I moved him. Uh, actually, you're not going to like this one as much, but uh, I moved uh, him and Austin Eckler in a package uh, to get the 101 and a pick next year as well. So, um, you know, I had, I had some. Bats so are we, are we talking super flex here? Or one Gibson, Aaron Jones and, and uh, Ooh. Yeah, that's a big price. No, this man. is not super flex. This is one quarterback league. Yeah, no, it was definitely a big price. Uh, but I was trying to get out of the Kenny Galladay, and I just had this surplus because I've got the all these. I've got all these mm-hmm. receivers on my team. Like I had had a really good problem. I think we would call it. I've got Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Lavisca Chenault. Will Fuller, I've got all these guys, Kenny Galladay, I've got all these guys on my team, and I can't start all of them, so I'm trying to 
to move some assets around, reappropriate them, reappropriate them as, as I would like to call it. But uh, again, Darren Waller, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of with mm-hmm. you. I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing with the, with the George Kittle, if I can, uh, given the injury history. Um, but then Josh Jacobs, we talked about him. Agnosium, but yeah, give, give sure. us your, so your rundown. My big on, thing you know, right now is I always tell people look at history, right? Look at history and, and look where we are. We're in March. And if we take a look back at history and we look at ADP, the biggest thing that you're looking at right now is there is not a worse time to trade for a running back two than this very moment. So we talked about the big guys, right? We talked about the McCaffreys, Kamara's, Barkley's, Taylor, Delvin, Chubb, Swift, Dobbins, even Henry, Cam Akers, and I would even put Zeke Elliott in this category, and Aaron Jones, of players who you kind of know what their role is going to be. There's your 12, right? These are guys you know what their role is going to be. You have nothing really to worry about. Free agency already shook out. Now I think we're pretty certain that DeAndre Swift's backup is Jamal Williams, for example, right? But then you get to this next group. You get to this next group of RB2s. And if you take a look at ADP over history, these guys don't tend to change much value. Last year, the only running back two that gained value is the guy you just mentioned, Austin Eckler. And that wasn't because of anything in his power. That was simply because everybody expected Melvin Gordon to re-sign with the Chargers. So when Melvin Gordon left the Chargers... And all they added was Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler's value goes up, right? That's a very rare thing. Like even AJ Dillon, how are you feeling now if you picked up AJ Dillon in the trade? Not great, right? We're not we're not feeling too good. How are you feeling about Rashad Penny? Not great. And let's t- let's take a look back to last year. You're you're a dynasty, you know, manager. You're feeling really great about yourself. Everybody's good. And hey, look at me, man. I'm good at running backs. I got carry on Johnson. Yeah, how you living now, homie, right? I mean, so so here's the thing, right? <laughs> All of these guys have a chance to be replaced come April. All of these guys have a chance to be the next Carrion Johnson, to be the next Zach Stacy. But let's say they're not. Let's say they're not replaced in the draft. Well, they're in no better than they were yesterday. You're already paying as if they're not getting replaced. So now is not the time to be buying running back twos because the fact is they can only go down. And if they go down, you lost. If they don't go down, you could have got them for the same dang price in May. Mm-hmm. Just wait. I know you're excited. I know you're bored. You're sitting around. We're in quarantine. Making trades is fun. Man, trade for wide receivers. Don't trade for running backs right now because the chances of you gaining value between now and September 1st is almost none. You're literally taking on risk. No matter how small of a risk you may think it is, you're taking on risk. You don't know, for example, Jacksonville, they got James Robinson, they just signed Carlos Hyde. How do you know that Najee Harris isn't going to fall into their lap? I'm not saying I'm betting on it. I actually really like James Robinson. But you're already paying running back, what, 14, 15 prices? The dude ain't going to shoot up to running back eight because they didn't draft a running back. No one's expecting them to. So there's no chance in gaining value. Just wait. Just wait. 
And trust me, your draft pick that you're holding on to, you're thinking of trading for James Robinson, will be worth more once people put a name on it. Because we don't know who this year's Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. But once we do, your 103 pick that everyone's like, oh, I only like Najee Harris and I only like Jamar Chase. Just wait because someone's going to land in a cake spot. Someone's going to go to like an Atlanta, for example, that you didn't expect. Maybe it's Kenny Gainwell. Maybe it's Kylan Hill. Maybe it's Trey Sermon. Who knows, right? But one of those guys is about to shoot up draft boards, and all of a sudden your pick that you were going to trade mm-hmm. for James Robinson is already worth more because now everybody else falls down a spot. It happens every year. So I'm going to tell you this March. You've made it this far, right? We're at the end of March, March 25th. You made it this far. The draft is in April. Just relax. Just chill. Don't go picking up running backs right now. Don't go trading your draft picks right now unless you're certain, unless you're getting one of those top guys, unless you're getting one of those you know dang right well they're not getting replaced. And there's only, I gave you 12 of them that I can think of. Everybody else, they'll be the same dang price May 1st. Just chill. Don't go making moves right now because you're not going to gain value. Things are not going to get better for you. So just relax, sit on your hands if you can. Come May, start firing off those offers. You'll be ready to go. Yo, that was awesome advice, man, because that, that's definitely – we do get impatient around this time. But like you like you said, we don't know where these guys are going to end up. So, we, you know, we could end up with, a, you know, somebody in, in a crazy, ridiculous spot that we didn't, you know, see mm-hmm. coming. So – you know, Mike, I just got to ask you one question before I let you go. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But if I'm not mistaken, you have Kyle Pitts inside of your top. I got him at no. Let me double check. I think I have him at five right uh, now. My, yeah, I have my, him at five. Right uh, when I redo my rankings, he'll probably be number three. Okay. So, how comfortable in a, a one quarterback? Real comfortable. Uh, depending on team need, it's just such one. a position of wasteland and kyle pitts man is a (laughs) weapon this kid can do it all so when i look at what i'm looking to draft right i i like realistically i am very high on three players in this draft i think you have three elite talents and that is trevor lawrence Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts. I know all you Najee fans are going to boo and scream. He would have been your running back six last year. Relax. Uh, I I think a lot of people can't even figure out if Javonta uh, or Najee or or even Etienne, (laughs) let's say he goes to San Francisco, are your running back one. So the running backs to me aren't really major game changers. Uh, and I love Jamar Chase. He did have a year out of football, but wide receiver is the deepest position in football mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so if you're talking super flex, I'm not going to go um, anything but quarterback and super flex, but mm-hmm. in a one QB, I'm not touching a quarterback at 101. So that almost leads me to Kyle Pitts by default, because the mm-hmm. fact is, even if you have Travis Kelsey, that man's getting up in age. Like you said, George Kittle, injury history. There's probably not a team that couldn't use Kyle Pitts. So to me, if I have the 101, I'm not looking to make my team better this year by a marginal amount. I'm looking to hit that home run. I'm looking to find that talent that carries me forever. And Travis Kelsey was probably 
the one player on the most championship teams, possibly with the exception of James Robinson because of cost of acquisition. But Travis Kelsey was a cheat code this year. I just took him at 104 in a redraft uh, too early mock. And I was like, what are you doing at 104? I'm like, man, I probably would have taken him at 101. Uh, it it it's it's how it's how we cheat and and Kyle Pitts becomes that dude. Uh, so I will tell you your your question couldn't be more timely because I have the 102 in a one quarterback league, and I was just telling one of my league mates, I think I'm going Pitts, and he was shocked. And I'm like, man, I, I want the best player in the draft. And for him just to happen to be in the position of need in fantasy football right now. And I'll tell you on that team, I do have John, I do have Travis Kelsey and I have Irv Smith and I have Cole Komet. I, I just don't care. I, I will hopefully see what I want to see out of Pitts, and I will move Kelsey for a King's ransom and, and be thrilled. Right. But yeah, I, I think right now, He's starting to become almost yep. a no doubt 101 for me, just based on what I've seen. Now, landing spots coming. Let's see what happens. I want to make sure he goes to a coach that I feel comfortable using him and that that I feel is, you know, an offensive threat. But but yeah, right now, doesn't Kyle Pitts kind of look like that one dude you're gonna remember from this draft as the dominant player? So that's who I want at 101. I don't want my running back mm-hmm. two. I don't want my wide receiver two. I want that dude. I want that dude from the draft that everybody's talking about. And, and that's who Kyle Pitts feels like to me right now. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Kyle Pitts is definitely, he definitely provides an advantage. And so I think that's what when you're looking at combination of best player, the position that he plays is, is it's almost scarce, right? Uh, or it is scarce. I shouldn't even say almost it is. And if, you know, if you are in that position, right, it goes back to what that word I, I talked about before, but flexibility, right? You have a Travis Kelsey, but you don't want to trade Travis Kelsey, not right now, but Kyle Pitts affords you that flexibility to now trade a Travis Kelsey and receive a mm-hmm. King's Ransom because as of today, Travis Kelsey isn't worth what Kyle Pitts is worth. But Kyle Pitts could very well end up being your Travis Kelsey down the line. So – I, I definitely love, you know, like you said earlier, getting younger at the position um, and, and getting it done that way. Um, Mike, before I let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to add and let all the people know where they can find you? Oh, man, you? yeah, I've had this um, circle of my yeah, calendar, John. You know, I think we started talking about this a, a while back, and I was stoked that we were going to be able to chop it up, man, and this even exceeded my expectations. So thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I think if you want to find me the easiest places on Twitter, I'm always acting a fool out there at uh, Daddy's Home FF. Uh, most of my time this past month has been making fun of people overreacting to Combine and Pro Day scores, uh, which is always my favorite. I, I I love the overreaction to the skinny guys, the short guys, the fast guys, the slow guys. I just have a blast, man, because they're the same football player they were two months ago, so I don't know why we're changing our mind today. Uh, so <laughs> always have having fun uh, at daddy's home ff on twitter uh the, the my website <laughs> that i i work on is fancyintervention.com and, and to be quite honest anything that you hear 
from me as far as football takes uh, comes from the smart people over at Fantasy Intervention. We have such a great group of writers. Like I honestly can't say enough about all the work they put in, the grind they do. Uh, but we have some geniuses over there. I mean, we're talking Jordan Rains at IDP, one of the best there is. Uh, Air DJ uh, and Taylor Cordell just came out with a new podcast that is absolutely hilarious. Like they absolutely kill me with everything they do. We have Bob Gilchrist and Steven as our, as our uh, guys that do our images. So you, if you like the rankings, the way that they come out, Steven Johnson did all of those for us. Uh, we have chef James crease. We have Corey Spala. I, I could go on and on, but man, if I could pump anything on any of these podcasts, it's not me. I, I'm just a dope messing around on Twitter, having fun, chopping it up. Uh, these are the real guys. These are the smart guys. These are the guys who are going to bring you the stats and everything. So I would check out each and every one of them because every one of them is, is criminally underfollowed as are you, my man. I mean, not enough people know how good you are at this, John. And like I said, I, I've been thrilled to be able to learn from you and hear from you tonight. This has been a blast. Yeah, man. I mean, I would definitely say go check out Mike and, and all the people over at Fantasy Intervention. A lot of them are a bunch of great people and they put out a bunch of great content. Uh, and Mike, I definitely appreciate your kind words, man. Uh, you've been supportive all throughout, uh, you know, our, you know, our respective journeys on Twitter. So definitely appreciate you coming yeah, on. Just give me a show, man. Always, always again, around, always happy a, to a cut it up. Fun, uh, next time you get anything you want to talk about, just hit me up in the DMs. We'll make it happen. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Well, everybody really appreciates you listening. And again, thank you to Mike for coming on and have a good one.